This is an ABC podcast. Hey, you've made it. The end of another week. How was it for you? Hopefully not too much of a punish. G'day, Dave Marchese with you for the Shake Up on Hack. And a huge, huge, huge thank you to Joe Lauder for holding it down this week while I've been away. How good is Joe? And also... How good is the news? You're listening to Hack. Have the world's biggest battery. Have the world's biggest banana. Have the world's biggest prawn. Should there be an age limit for people who are elected to politics? In short, no. We should start to fly the First Nations flags in Parliament. On Triple J. Yeah, we've got a few different things for you this week to keep you interested. A little bit of this, a little bit of that. Something funny, something serious, kind of like our shake-up panel. No, no, they're both funny. They're not serious at all. First up, back by popular demand, he's the court reporter at the Daily Telegraph, Perry Duffin, or as he revealed to us last time, Berry Muffin, as some people call him. How are you, Perry? I'm well. How are you, mate? I'm good. good. You gearing up for a big weekend? Uh, No, I'm going to do nothing. I'm just going to sit inside and wait till I can go back to work. Ah, nice. As someone said in our office today, I'm on embargo for this weekend, (laughs) which is a real niche journalistic term. But um, yeah, that's you. You're on embargo. Um, And here for the first time, journalist, host of the Left Right Out podcast, Elfie Scott. Welcome to the Shake Up. Hi. Thank you so much for having me. Are you excited to be here for your first Shake Up? I am deeply excited. I always ask that question, but as if people are going to be like, oh, not really. <laughs> Had nothing <laughs> else to so do, sorry, actually. To be honest. <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll judge it at the end. Well, look, I want to be hearing from you listening as well, so get ready to call in. Actually, if you're the eighth caller, you get absolutely nothing. Producer Serge just freaked out there. You do get the potential, though the potential opportunity to maybe come on and chat with us if you can get past Producer Serge. So there's a test for you. Ring in, call up. But in the meantime, guys, let's go. And yet they're more concerned with shifting a flag about. That that tells me they don't they don't care at all. Or Triple J. A stunt, a powerful gesture. It's been called a lot of things and heaps has been said and written about it over the past couple of days. When Greens leader Adam Bant showed up to a press conference this week, he made a bit of a change and it definitely got you talking. Hack. Time to understand that the history of this country and the symbols that represent the history of this country are very hurtful to the First Nations people of this country. How does not standing in front of an Australian flag help on that front? It's signalling the conversation that is required. Adam standing up and, and talking about First Nations justice is a real conversation we need to have in this country. And what he's absolutely talking about is truth telling and a treaty that is required in this country for us to move forward. I think it brings unity uh, to our country. That flag does not represent me as it has connotations to invasion and dispossession. If you want to make that argument, couldn't you say the same thing exactly in those terms? of the Australian Parliament in which you serve? Absolutely. That's why I'm there. I'm there to infiltrate. On Triple J. So, are you with Adam Bant on this one or do you think he missed the mark? What do you think of the Australian flag? Let me know. You can call in 1300 0555 or you can message in as well 0439757555. I want to check in now with the Shake Up crew. We've got with us today writer, journalist Elfie Scott and court reporter Perry Duffin. Elfie, first to you, what did you think of Adam Bant removing the flag? 
Oh, look, I think he is totally within his rights to do that. I personally, I mean, I think it's fair enough. I think it's fair enough what he's trying to symbolise by removing the Australian flag. And to be honest, I think that all of the criticism around it has been a little bit of a media beat up, I would say. Ooh, a media beat up. I know, isn't that a fancy little term I've just dropped there? (laughs) Never heard that one before. (laughs) Another journalist here, Perry Duffin. What do you think, media beat up? Um, I think it plays into the hands of the media who are already critical of the Greens. And uh, I think a lot of people in this country voted for them because they want serious practical policy and, you know, they want it progressive. And yet that discussion about that flag, no one, no one ever knows what he was there to talk about. But if you actually, you have to go like deep into Google to find out what he was there for that day. Yeah. It was about emissions. He wasn't there to talk about the flag. And that became just the entire story. And I think people are sick of culture wars and things like that. They want practical policy and we just totally missed out on that because of this dynamic that people have with the Greens. So do you think, Elfie, do you think it was a political stunt because it was called that or do you think it was just something that, you know, Adam Bant thought, no, I'm not I'm not doing it and, you know, it happened to be the first time and it made headlines. What do you reckon? Well, I think it's very much the latter. I think it's a very reasonable, fair enough choice. It's his to make and also I should point out that Lavender Badge, who is a reporter from Junkie, actually did like a mini investigation into this. And she figured that Adam Bant actually hadn't had the Australian flag behind him for the past two years since he's become Greens leader. Mm. So it really was just this Twitter focus that didn't have to happen. We've got some messages coming through. Georgia on the text line says, get rid of the Union Jack. So many other Commonwealth countries have. Why are we clinging on to it? I want to go to a caller now. Chris has called in. Chris, what do you think of this? Okay, thanks for having us on. Look, I think um, I think what Adam did, Adam did today was, uh, or this week, was absolutely virtue signalling. As a veteran myself, I think the fact that he's done something which is so divisive is not helpful for the conversation. I absolutely believe in First Nations people's rights, and there has to be a conversation. But to do something like that is just completely outside the mandate of what he's been elected to do, and I think it's really heartbreaking to, to have to witness that from one of our leaders in Australia. And as a veteran, did it, like, really sting for you particularly? Look, I, I, I acknowledge some of the statements, yes, and but absolutely acknowledge some of the statements that have been made by other people. But the thing for me is, is that there does need to be a conversation and there has been a conversation and the way he's trying to have that conversation isn't helping it. And I think it's... It's really poor leadership on his behalf. All right. Thanks, Chris, for your comments. Appreciate those. We'll go to another caller now. Catherine has called in. Catherine, what did you think of what Adam Bant did? I think it was absolutely incredible. I think this is exactly what people need to start standing up and saying. It's it's going on for too long. The injustice that was done in this country is unbelievable. You can't even fathom the horrors that those people have experienced. And these people are the oldest living people on the planet. How we can't care about that culture and want to preserve that culture is, in to me, it's just unfathomable. All right, Catherine, thank you for calling in. Appreciate your comments as well. And we've got a lot of messages. Divided opinion. Somebody says the only Australian thing in the Australian flag is the Southern Cross. The Union Jack is literally a representation of invasion and who did it. That was Chris in Gosford. Another person says Adam Bant should be sacked. He has no right to take a wage from a country he hates. And Andrew in Perth says, I think it was pointless virtue signalling. What the hell does this do to close the gap? Absolutely nothing. I want to ask about a different 
kind of area now, Perry. The Labor government hasn't been too shy when talking about becoming a republic lately, especially with the Jubilee celebrations and all of that. But they were really off this, like, and they came out quite strongly against it. The PM urged Adam Bant to reconsider his position. Anthony Albanese said the move was um, undermining the country's journey towards reconciliation. Do you think that, you know, the two different opinions is a bit strange? Like, isn't the flag issue just an extension of the republic issue in a way? Yeah, I think it is. I mean, I think that you know, as the the caller, I think it was Chris, said, you know, there should be an actual structured conversation about that, maybe a referendum or something about whether we want to continue with this flag. But I think that, you know, Albanese is probably trying to not alienate the centre, probably understands that he's got to keep people on side and he can't just go hard left or hard anything. And I think it's a smart move to be seen as someone who's a uniter rather than someone who's divisive and wrapped up in, you know, Again, culture wars. I always go on about them. But I mean, see what it did in the last election campaign? It was devastating Mm. for the people who tried to run one. Someone on the text line, Sean, says, I get the point Bant was making, but I disagree with it. We achieve better outcomes and a new flag through diplomatic and rational discussions. But at the same time, Dutton has removed both the Indigenous flags in his press conferences lately, and nothing's been said about that. What do you think, Elfie? I mean, more than a dozen countries still have the Union Jack in their flag, countries like New Zealand, Hawaii, the Cook Islands, Fiji. Um, And then there are countries like Canada, which is still part of the Commonwealth, but they have a very different, distinct flag. Do you think that we'll end up changing the flag before becoming a republic? Do you have any, like, thoughts on how the process might work or the other way around? I truly have no idea how flags are designed and (laughs) how people go about it. But, look, I would say that Australia is clearly a country in transition, right? There are big issues to do with our relationship with First Nations people that we have to deeply consider. So there are things like changing the date, there's becoming a republic, and there's also uh, the call for the referendum on the Uluru Statement from the heart. So there are these big things that are going to make us reshape our identity, and that's coming. We know it. Whether or not the flag comes before that, I don't know, but I do think that... At the end of the day, it's up to Adam Bant to do what he wants. Yeah, I mean, why do politicians stand in front of flags anyway? Like, you know when they, the bigger the press conference as well, the more flags, that thing as well, when we see like a foreign leader come and there are 400 Australian flags behind. Do you have any thoughts, Perry, about what do you think the public when they're watching goes, oh... I think Gosh, it's, look at all those. I think it's imported from America. That's what I think. I look yeah. at it and I can just hear the eagles screeching in the background. <laughs> there. You know what I, mean? I don't like it. You know, or maybe that North Korean style where they've got all the medals on the chest. I'm like, who's this for? Who's impressed by this? <laughs> you know, I don't. I, I personally would dress it up a little different. Make it look like a. Cheers pub or something. Okay. Warm, something exciting. It could work. It also um, look beautiful, Perry, yeah, I'm sure. My, my press conferences for sure. Yeah, we want to see you guys in front of your flags at your next press conference. <laughs> um, Elfie, as always, we heard heaps of conflicting views on this in Parliament and one First Nations Senator, Lydia Thorpe, came out and said she believes the flag has no permission to be here. She said the only reason she's sworn allegiance to get into Parliament to, was to make a difference, not because she believes in the Australian flag. Now, some people are throwing their support behind Lydia Thorpe. Others have condemned her, saying those views weren't appropriate for a senator. What do you think? Again, I think Lydia Thorpe is entitled to say whatever she wants in this context. And, like, I think that people get really ruffled by these sort of things because they assume that First Nations people should have this sort of homogenous viewpoint. Mm. And when that doesn't happen, they like to sort of put these things in the headlines and contend people against each other, which we've seen in the media this week. But, yeah, I mean... 
I don't totally agree with a lot of things that Lydia Thorpe has said in the past. I think she's been a bit ruthless about some things, but this... I think it's totally up to her to say what she wants. And as you said, different opinions um, in the First Nations community as well as the broader community. We saw country Liberal Senator Jacinta Price come out and labelled the Greens move as divisive and saying it detracts from real issues of concern. A lot more messages coming through. Somebody on the text line says, I don't like the flag and actively loathe the national anthem and I love and serve my country. We are more than one symbol. Somebody says, most arguments on the flag is just that people have died for the Aussie flag. Fact is, the Union Jack was the flag that most Australian soldiers died for. Megan in Dubbo says, change begins with small steps. Stand up for what you believe in. People will fuss and talk and get over it. And another person says, it's to show respect to your country. So I've got a lot of different opinions coming through, like in the parliament. Maybe it was just a media beat up, as Elfie said before, in which case we have contributed to it. <laughs> <laughs> There's a lot of people who have got marvels at 40 in this place. I, I, I just think yeah, age discrimination cuts both ways, right? And, and 72 is not that old anymore. Yeah, how old's too old to be in politics? Actually, how young is too young to be in politics? Because there's been a whole lot of talk over age cutoffs this week after a political candidate in the US said that he reckons there should be a limit because America's being run by a, quote, geriatric oligarchy. Oh, got us thinking. Should that happen here too? Hack. Airline pilots are forced to retire age 65. But have you ever noticed that politicians hardly ever retire? Our country and our state are being run by a geriatric oligarchy. Joe's so tired of older pollies taking up more space when it comes to politics in his country, so I'm on a quest to find out whether we need to set a date to yeet old politicians out the window. Pull the lever, Uncle. Anthony Albanese you know, has been in Parliament for 26 years. Fun fact, he's been in politics longer than I've been alive. 35, I think, would be a good age to come into Parliament. That's the age that you have to be the, be the US President. And I think a little bit of life experience is not a bad thing. Maybe 35 is a bit high, but certainly 25, something like that. Hate to disappoint the people on Triple J, but some of you are really, in my view, too young to be in Parliament. Should there be an age limit for people who are elected to politics? 70. Once you're 70, you've got to retire. On Triple J, what would work? Yeah, this kicked off. Should there be an age limit in politics? And tell me, if there should be, what should it be? You can call in 1300 555536 or message in as well 043975755. We're lucky because there's no age limit for Triple J listeners. Actually, here's a challenge. I want our youngest and our oldest listener to message in right now. If you're a newborn, message in 0439757555. Let us know. And let's ask our shake-up experts what they have to say with me. Court reporter at The Daily Telegraph, Perry Duffin, and journalist podcast host, Elfie Scott. Perry, what do you think? Do we need to clear the oldies out of Canberra? I reckon that there's two things. The first is that... If we had younger people, we probably wouldn't have this issue with housing just going absolutely nuts because it's only affecting an age group, really. And, you know, I think that if we had better representation of younger people, there'd probably be certain issues like university fees and housing that wouldn't be so calamitous now. 
And the second thing is, is that I think it was Chris Yulman said that pollies should have life experience. I agree. That means no career politicians who've come up through the young libs of labor or whatever and spent 40 years entrenched in politics. They're universally strange people. Yeah, I kind of thought you know. that as well. So in, in that bit of audio we just heard, it was Channel 9's um, political reporter, Chris Yulman, saying, oh, I think it should be 35 you have to be to get into politics. Maybe Chris was just, you know, jeeing us all off and having a bit of a joke. Mm. But it's kind of interesting because, as you say, like the experience of people at 35 could just all be politics, right, Elfie? Like it may not be quality life experience that people have. I think it was just kind of talking out of his ass, wasn't he? <laughs> like, he was just having a guess at what he thought in that moment. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I, I just don't think it's relevant really. Like, I mean, I think that anybody who works in coals has just a, as much of a right Definitely. to work in politics as anybody else. Like, I don't necessarily see that experience as being any different. Do you think it's discrimination cutting, you know, like it off at 72 or whatever they're proposing in the in the US, this um, candidate? Do you think there should be an age limit for older people? Nah, I don't believe that. I don't believe in discriminating against people on the basis of age. Or, like I know a lot of 80-year-olds and like even 90-year-olds who are very plucky, who have a lot of intelligent things to say, and I wouldn't mind seeing them in government. But, you know, I do think it's something that ultimately shouldn't be dictated by any sort of law. It should just be something that we think about as voters. How old are the people that we're voting into office? Yeah. We've got some messages coming through. Tim from YE says, setting age limits for being an MP is just dumb. Would we ever deny Sir David Attenborough a say in Parliament because he's in his 90s? Yeah. And the Queen, how old is she? I think she's 96, um, which is pretty old, isn't oh, she? I don't think I'd vote for the Queen. <laughs> <laughs> I think Dave gets my vote. But just no. saying, some people are still working, right? They're still hustling. Um, US President Joe Biden, 79. And, you know, people are already talking about his second term. Do you think that that's too old, Perry? Like, do you think that once people get into their 80s that they're able to... like? Because it's funny, isn't it? Like, the US president can be that age, but, like, when you have a person in their 80s who might be your grandparent, all of a sudden people are going up being like, Grandpa, do you want another, like, you know, (laughs) treating them really kind of disrespectfully? Yeah, I think that, you know, democracy needs to be representative of people and just like I think we need people who are representing us who have ties in, you know, the young community. We need people who understand things like aged care and its significance that perhaps people at 30 don't think about. So I don't think um, we should force people to retire at a certain age if they if they want to be there and if they're providing a valuable insight, I think that they're just representative of older people, you know, which is equally important as younger people. And right? Yeah, the same thing for young people, right, because... You were talking about this before, Perry, that like having younger politicians would probably see some policy change. Like we have a Minister for Youth, Anne Ali, at the moment and, you know, like I'm sure she's a good Minister for Youth but she's 55 years old. Do you reckon it would be better served having someone younger in that position, Elfie, or do you think... Not sure. Look, I don't want to sound like a guy in his 30s trying to date a teenager, but I think age is just a number. So, (laughs) like, I really don't think it's necessarily relevant. I think what is relevant is the imagination for how choices are going to impact the next generation. So the issue with having older politicians inherently is that some of them lack the ability and the foresight to see how their choices are going to impact, say, climate change and growing inequality after they die. And as long as somebody does have that ability, that sort of foresight and empathy, it's fine. 
Got some messages coming through. Someone says 25 minimum, 65 maximum. That's a very clear <laughs> guideline there. Another person says anyone who lives at home supported by their parents should not be allowed to vote. Okay. Um, another person. <laughs> Have you what? tried getting into the housing market? That's <laughs> like, like half it. of young people. Must be nice. Um, yep. And someone says, uh, no, that's just the same message I just read. Someone says, what about a target average age? Mix the young with the old. That was me. Georgia says, I think it should fluctuate depending on how many of each age bracket are currently in the population. That's interesting. And then we've got a couple of messages here. Oh, someone says, I was literally just birthed like five minutes ago, bro. What's good? So (laughs) some of our our youngest listener and another person, my 14-week-old fetus is listening into Hack tonight. Thank you so much for choosing to listen to us. Um, We've got a few younger MPs in the parliament after the recent election. Brisbane Greens MP Stephen Bates, 29, um, he says, he wants to work for young people. In 2010, Wyatt Roy was the youngest person ever to be elected to the Australian Parliament at 20 years old, and a lot of people had a lot to say about that. Do you think, though, as we go on, Perry, that people are getting more used to younger people in positions of power? Yeah, I think so. I think part of it is the social media thing where younger people typically have used that to build a platform and now as they've turned 30, everyone started to care, I suppose, about politics. And so you get a whole bunch of people who are really engaged, you know, in their 20s and 30s and they've got a platform to publish. Whereas back in the day, no one had an opinion column who was under 50. You know, there was no opinion on the TV coming from someone that wasn't a really established voice. And so I guess there's just people who are riding a bit of a grassroots social media thing and I'd love to see it, you know. Got some more messages. Evan in Sydney says, we live in a democracy. How can it be a true democracy if I can't vote for who I want to because they're outside certain age limits? Agree that there are too many old people in politics out of touch, but this is not the solution. We can say some older people are out of touch with youth issues, but I can say some young people are well out of touch with issues for the older population, which is an interesting point. And somebody else says life experience is important. You don't know that until you're older. You can also be too old. Everyone's different, so perhaps some kind of test. Um, interesting because like high court justices, once they turn 70, right, they've got to be out. So they've got a limit. And I just wonder why it is for High Court justices and why it's not for other professions. Any thoughts on that, guys? But they're there forever, aren't they? I well, mean, they just have a whole career set in the High Court. Yeah, so, I mean, that's it's kind of a different thing entirely. Yeah, that's true. They I, can... I think it's probably for the best because in the US they're there till they die. Right? Well, yeah, we've seen some issues like, you know, in recent years with people being like gravely ill and still kind of like, you yeah. know, fully active. And, and it ends up really politicised, whereas like, totally. if, you, if you have to retire... I mean, you just have to appoint someone new and it's not like you can stake it out and put someone who's 35 and hectically conservative or progressive in there and just be like, don't worry, I've got this guy here for 70 years. Yeah. Well, big issues, big opinions, time to move on. Hack. As Australians, we have a love of big things. I'm not sure whether this is shared quite as much by any other country. On Triple J. Do you like big things? Is bigger better? G'day, welcome to The Hookup. I'm Dave Marquette. No, just kidding. I'm kidding. I'm talking about big things like Australia's big things. The big banana, the big golden guitar, the big boxing crocodile, the big galah, the big penguin. There are so many big things because some comedians have put together 
this list of the shittest big things around Australia, and some people love it, others reckon that it's ruining the reputations of towns across the country. I want to know what you think. Do you have a big thing in your town? Do you love it? Are you embarrassed by it? Let me know. 0439 757 You can call in as well. 1300 With me to talk, journalists Elfie Scott and Perry Duffin. Elfie, are you one of those people that likes a detour to get a big thing selfie? Oh, uh, I wouldn't go out of my way to get a big thing selfie, but I will say that every time I stop in Goulburn, I have to get a photo behind, like, the giant balls of that ram. <laughs> oh, I think that's obligatory. Yeah, we've got so many messages coming through about that one in particular, <laughs> the big merino. I mean, the balls are just so big. <laughs> They're so big, and a lot of people taking issue with it not looking exactly appropriate. But that's half of it, isn't it, Perry, that the big things are not supposed to be a very accurate depictions. So half no. of it's in the, you know, artistic... The artistry, yeah. yeah of course. It's the people. People's Archibalds, I think. <laughs> um, there's actually one on the south coast, and I think it's supposed to be a big potato or a big squash or something, and it looks like a giant turd. Yeah, it's right. Well, there, uh, there is a big potato in Robertson in New South Wales, and mm. they've had issues. It does look like a giant turd, and they've had issues with it because people have been going inside and and defecating. Well, yeah, it's false really. advertising. Yeah. <laughs> it's not a public toilet. Yeah, what is guys, it? What did you Honestly. expect? What did you expect? Um, are you... Into big things, Perry? What yeah. do you reckon? Oh, deeply, deeply. Being familiar with your Instagram content and knowing yep. that you love the regions, I thought <laughs> that you might be. Yeah, I'm, I am just a dirty boy for the giant things, I'll tell you that. No. There's one that is hilarious. It was in my town or just... just south of Newcastle and they tried to do like a big prawn but it wasn't that big and it was just at a servo and it was about 10 foot long and the servo burned down one day and the prawn is the only thing that remained for about another 20 years so it was just this lone sad prawn among these burnt out trees (laughs) oh that's horrible satay prawn I don't like that at all Um, and there's also a lot of crossover I've noticed there's a few like big apples there are so many big apples in Australia in New South Wales in Tassie in Victoria big pineapples, big potatoes, there's doubles up with that as well. I don't know, I think maybe it loses a bit of its power if there are some double ups. Elfie, why are we obsessed with big things? Because it does seem to be a uniquely Australian thing, right? Oh, God, it's such a good question, isn't it? I think, and I don't want people to take offence to this, but I do think, (laughs) look, I think that there are lots of aspects of Australian culture that are just quite lame, aren't they? And I think that big things are in there. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, I think it's fair to say. I we think, just reach for things. They're yeah. silly. Kiwis as well, apparently. They're, they're big in New Zealand. They've got a few big things as well. I don't know how they rate compared to us with how many they've got. Got so many messages <laughs> flying through right now. Somebody, William, says, we have a giant merino here in Goulburn, the one we were just mm-hmm. talking about, um, formerly known as the big merino. The locals call it Rambo. Not sure if that's a good or bad thing, but it's quite quaint. Somebody else, Ryan, says, it's great living near Goulburn again because you get to be near the big merino. Easy to get new Ugg boot inserts. <laughs> Somebody says the locals kept stealing the balls off the big bull in Rockhampton. So that was a huge issue there. Um, The big koala is one of the most scary things I've ever seen. If that's all that defined Dadswell's Bridge, it deserves to be labelled as a shit town. That was Sam. Yeah, the big koala, This because this comes to the issue where some people... um, it's obviously a joke, everyone talking about the shittest big things, but some locals with the big koala got offended and said, no, we don't like that you've called this koala a 
gigantic, red-eyed, hairy-eared replica of a creature with chlamydia. We don't like that at all. <laughs> and we think that it's really doing a disservice to our reputation of our town. What do you reckon, Perry? Is that of concern? No, I think it's an accurate representation of oh. them. They are. <laughs> Not of the town, of koalas. They, oh. are, they carry chlamydia. No, they I, think, do. Like, they I do. think we just got to accept them for who they are. You yeah. know, No more judgment on the koalas. It's not really their fault, you know. I mean, they don't have antibiotics. Yeah, that's true. Standing up for chlamydia right now, Perry. (laughs) Standing up for koalas who don't have access to good GPs in this country. Hey, it's a thing and I'm sure a lot of animal doctors will be messaging in now talking about that huge issue there as well as big things. Somebody else, the big strawberry in Goulburn. Another one in Goulburn? They have two big things, the merino and the strawberry apparently. Never heard of that. Um, I've never heard of that either, but send us a pic. Someone else says, I've seen that prawn in Ballina and was confused with what the deal was. I don't know whether that was the same prawn you're talking no, about. No, the, the Ballina is the OG prawn and ours was more like the Lake Macquarie larger than average prawn. Oh, right, okay. Yeah. Oh, this the big bogan at Ningen. Yeah, oh, that's, yeah. A, that's a big one, definitely, and definitely a tourist draw card. Um, somebody else, Karina in Dubbo, where Adri Country says, if your town's reputation is destroyed by one small satire piece, maybe your town was already shit. (laughs) 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 Mm, Interesting. Rough but true. The big poo at Robertson, someone says. Another person says, um, Letitia here from Kingaroy letting you know that we have a big peanut as the peanut capital of Australia, but it's not big and it's made out of scrap metal. It's kind of ugly. So people have some really big issues with the big things I've noticed. I don't know. Would you like to see any more big things, Elfie? Is that something that you've ever thought of? You're like, oh, maybe in my suburb, in the city I live in, because it seems to be a really regional thing. Maybe Mm. the cities need some bigger things. Yeah, why not? Just do it. Who cares? Just what would they, what they have up. in your suburb? Elfie? What would they have? Well, I live in the eastern suburbs. The big Audi. The, yeah, exactly. The big pile of cash. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's probably what we'd be seeing. Um, guys, that's kind of it for us today. It's all it's all over. How was wow. your shake up experience, Elfie? Did you like it? Oh, it was absolutely delightful. Thank uh, you for having me. No, anytime. Please come back. And what about you, Perry? Was it as good as you remembered? Always a treat. I think I'm getting better at it too. Oh, okay. If you yeah, don't much better. If you don't say so yourself. Back on Triple J. A big thanks again to our shake up crew for this week. Court reporter at the Daily Telegraph, Perry Duffin, and journalist and host of the Left Right Out podcast, Elfie Scott. And to the hardworking hat crew for this. This week, executive producer Claire Bloomer, senior producer Serge Negus, AJ Williams for all of the sick audio edits, Joe Lauder for filling in for me this week, and the rest of the hardworking hack crew. That's all we've got time for on the Hack Podcast. I'll catch you next week.